opinions expressed by this podcast are not representative of our workplaces, families, friends, enemies, pets, or other entities that may associate with us, despite our opinions. Get social with the Unelectables. You can find us on Twitter at Unelectables. And on Facebook at Unelectables Pod. are somewhat reluctant, but nevertheless resolved to present Alberta Votes 2019. Good, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the special, the first special, there will be many, election edition of the Unelectables. I am Joey Oberhoffner coming to you live on tape from New Brighton in beautiful Calgary, Alberta. And with me as always... Kirk in space. I'm gonna... coming to you virtually through a bunch of hardware and software setups that we still haven't quite figured out, so I sound a little odd. Well, a little odder than usual, but, you know, that's still a pretty low bar to clear. Now, we are trying out this, this mobile interface, folks, uh, so that we can get this out to you as soon as possible because, of course... Today, uh, March the 19th, the day we're recording this, the writ was dropped for the Alberta election. And Kirk and I, while we technically live in the same city, we actually live about an hour from each other. So, uh, not that Calgary has a sprawl problem or anything. So, we are uh, doing our level best to get this out to you in as timely a fashion as we can. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, we're going to ask for your patience. Just stand there in your wrongness and be wrong and get used to it. All right, so Kirk, let's dive right into it. We've got a provincial election. It's Christmas time in Alberta. I I thought we were just celebrating the five years since Allison Redford resigned. Oh, that's right. That's right. It's a it's a it's a day of uh, celebration and commemoration. Um, five years ago today, uh, yeah, Allison Redford she resigned as PC leader and premier of Alberta, kicking off. I have to say an unprecedented period of political stability and calm in Alberta that continues to this very day. In fact, I would probably say that it has probably been the 
the most predictable and safe um, political time of Alberta's entire history. It really is a boring time to be following Alberta politics. It's been a it's been a slow five years. It is. Why are we even here? That's an excellent point. Want to get together for a beer? I think so. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Unelectables. I am Joey Oberhoffner, and I'm Kirk Schmidt. And until next time, uh, we don't have a keep it and have fun. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> play safe. No. All right. So there are some other things to talk about, Kirk. Uh, of course, it is the the election is coming up. The writ has been dropped. Um, the election is going to happen on Tuesday, April sixteenth. So that's the only day you can vote, right? Uh, yeah, except uh, for all those other days that you can vote as well. Except for all um, those other days, yes. Yeah. So so of course, um, like most uh, recent elections, there are advanced polls. Um, Right now, I don't think the hours are up for when those polls are, but they are Tuesday, April 9th, uh, through to Saturday, April 13th. So there's going to be effectively an entire week of voting prior to uh, prior to the actual election day. Um, so that gives you a lot of opportunity to get out there and vote. Absolutely. And in addition to that, there's also the possibility of getting a special ballot. Now, uh we use the term special ballot, but what most people think of is they think mail-in ballot. I need a mail-in ballot. I'm not going to be around in, in the first half of April, or I can't get out of the house to go vote, or, or whatever else. So you can apply for a special ballot if you're unable to vote at the advanced polls or on Election Day. Say you're out of the country for a couple of weeks or whatever else. You can still vote. Um, uh, also, if you're physically incapacitated, uh, if you're an inmate in an institution, uh, if you're an election officer... I don't officer, think they're listening to us, Joey. Oh, well, you never know. We're, I, I understand we're pretty, we're pretty popular in Supermax. Um, if you're an election officer, a candidate, an official agent, or a scrutineer, or if you're living in what the Election Act defines as a remote area, like you're, I don't know, living on... In a, in a in a fire watchtower, uh, you can so, vote by special ballot. You do need so like to... Calgary Northwest compared to you. Well, Calgary Northwest, nobody lives up there anyway, right? Exactly. Right, but you can apply for a special ballot by going uh, to the Elections Alberta website, which is elections.ab.ca, and it's one of the first things you're going to see is apply for a special ballot. They'll mail it to you. You can vote and then send it back. Now, I should also probably mention that um, Elections Alberta, or, or any elections authority, always needs uh, capable volunteers. Well, I guess it's not really volunteers, it's jobs. It is. Um, they're always looking for individuals who are able to help out at polling stations and whatnot. So um, if it's the type of thing that uh, you're interested in the electoral process, which if you're listening to us, I'm going to guess that you are. Um, and you have some opportunity to help out. Um, there, there is some opportunity there as well, and you can also apply for those on elections.ab.ca. Um, Absolutely. Uh, even if you're just looking for, for a little temporary work, a couple weeks of work is, is better than sitting at home. All right, so we've had some stuff come up in the news in the lead-up to this election, and we're going to spend a lot of time over the next few weeks talking about this election, right? It's a it's a big contested election. You would think that it would sort of be uh, a pretty easy thing to predict because we have had two parties drop off of the ballot since, uh, since the last uh, provincial election in 2015 with both the Progressive Conservative and Wildrose parties dropping off, but we then gained 
the United Conservative Party onto the ballot. Uh, and in addition to that, the Alberta Party is going to run candidates in all 87 constituencies in Alberta. So everybody is going to have at least three choices, NDP, uh, United Conservative, and Alberta Party to choose from, and probably many more. There are a lot of other parties, the Alberta Liberals, um, the uh, 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 Freedom Conservative Party, uh, there's a, an Alberta Independence Party that uh, says that they're going to run candidates everywhere, but hasn't actually filed any paperwork to do so yet. So there will be options on the ballot. Uh, it's incumbent upon us as voters, though, to pay attention to who those candidates are, right, Kirk? And not just not just pay attention to the party leadership and the the debates. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, the, we've we've kind of brushed on this before, right? The the party leader is very much the the face of the party. Um, in in some parties' cases, is is to some degree um, the entire microcosm of the party. Um, but at the same time, you know, local candidates do make a difference, and and not that it happens often in um, a Westminster democracy like ours, but there always is case for an individual to vote against their party, um, or or that type of thing. And some, sometimes the individual can make a big difference. So it's always important to have have somebody who who you have trust in. And the other thing is, you never know when you're actually going to need. Um, need help with something from your MLA. I certainly have reached out on several occasions over the years to help out with, with certain things. So, you know, having somebody that, that is uh, responsive to you and uh, is willing to listen and, and uh, have that good, good discussion with you, I think is really important as well. Um, now, now, of course, not all candidates are necessarily selected yet, right, Joey? That's true. Uh, in fact, uh, some some parties are still very much in the process of trying to uh, to fill their spots. And for that matter, some candidates who were selected have been unselected by their parties or have stepped aside. Um, there there was the case of Randy Kerr, who was turfed by the United Conservative Party for uh, not being, uh, in their words, forthcoming. Uh, with respect to some donations that he made during the UCP leadership, which we will talk about in a little bit. Um, as well, uh, United Conservatives in Calgary Mountain View find themselves very suddenly without a candidate, and uh, the party hasn't really commented, to my knowledge, on how they're going to fill that spot. But uh, their nominated candidate in the area, Kaylin Ford, has resigned. Uh, that just happened in the last 24 hours. What's that about? Uh, well, she... Uh... Some some older texts came up, came to light uh, by a whistleblower uh, that suggests that um, that she uh, that she made some some uh, racist comments. Now she she has said that they were taken out of context, mm -hmm. um, but uh, but that's really up to to readers and listeners to uh, to take some time and, and look through if if it's important to you at this point. Right. Um, of course, she's no longer a candidate, so um, you know it's it's kind of up to you how you want to approach that. Uh, but of course, it's also not the first time she's she's had some controversy either. It's not, and and we'll talk about that in just a second. The first thing I wanted to do though is, and context is everything, and it's not possible for me to know the context because I wasn't the recipient of these messages. I am not the whistleblower. Um, however, um, these are these are the words in particular that are being reported most widely uh, that that she has not denied writing 
Uh, but again, context is important. So, so this might not be as bad as it sounds. Then again, it might be. Uh, her words were, quote, When the perpetrator is an Islamist, the denunciations are intermingled with breathless assurances that they do not represent Islam, that Islam is a religion of peace, etc. You just don't have the same attempts to separate the violent terrorists from the wider community of belief. And in that second line, she was talking about the white supremacist movement or the white pride movement. So she caught a lot of flack for that. That was uh, first uh, broken by Press Progress, which is an NDP-friendly uh, uh, news aggregator and, uh, and blog site. Um, now, uh, she then came out on Facebook uh, after this had been swirling around for about 12 hours and resigned as the candidate for Calgary Mountain View without actually apologizing or saying she was sorry or that she regretted making the statements. All she said was that they were taken out of context and that the person who had leaked them uh, was uh, was somebody who had been gunning for her for a long time. So she didn't, you know, she had the opportunity to walk the comments back and, and she didn't really do so. Um, well, but, but as you mentioned, right, this is not the first uh, anthill that she stepped onto either. Um, no, back but, but, uh, back you know, in October if, last if year, she ran into some about trouble. The uh, if we talk a little bit about about previous candidates and and things that have happened, I mean, to some degree, this resignation may very well have come because they've learned over the years that you know the moment that this type of thing comes out in public, um, it can do far more damage long term. I mean, we've talked before about Huntsberger and Leach. Uh, during during some of the earlier Wild Rose days, and a lot of the damage of that came not from the comments themselves, but from the way they were handled by the party and the leader. And you know, the the leader at the time, Daniel Smith, didn't really denounce it until kind of the end, and it wasn't really a denunciation. Um, and and it seemed like that was part of the reason why um, what looked like Wild Wild Rose support at the time uh faded very quickly and so one has to wonder if this resignation was very much a you know if you if something comes up during the electoral period you just drop out right like that just to save face in general right and, and i mean there is the question of course as well as to whether or not uh the, the party leader jason kenny is going to wear some of this for just like Danielle Smith, not immediately moving to to denounce the the moves. Now, for all we know, right? Uh, I mean, Jason Kenney's a smart politician. He may have called Kaylin Ford and told her, "You're resigning." Right? Yep. It's it's one of those classic cases of you have to quit by the end of the day, or I'm going to fire you. Um, it, that might have happened, but politically, it would have been a much more uh, uh, intelligent move, I think, for him to have come out right off the bat and said. No, this is this is beyond the pale. We are a big tent conservative party, but we have no room for this kind of thing. The kind of statements he has made before about many people, but in this case in particular, it's it's a little closer to home because Kaylin Ford was personally encouraged by Jason Kenney to run for that nomination. Uh, they right. they met at a meet and greet, uh, and he described the encounter, according to reports, as quote political love at first sight. And, and so she, she moved out to Alberta, the timing of which was a bit of a controversy. Uh, and, and she ran into uh, some pushback from members of the Calgary Mountain View United Conservative Board 
uh, back in October, uh, they went so far as to write a letter to the party encouraging them uh, to investigate, uh, saying that they believe she might have deliberately misled the party over her residency to, to circumvent the UCP nomination rules. But, but, I mean, this is somebody who was described as a star candidate. And to have the leader not come out and immediately denounce this situation and distance the party from it, you run into the, into the situation again, and this is not the first candidate uh, for the general election or for nomination that has run into issues like this with the UCP in the last little while, um, at some point people start to wonder whether there's some fire to go with that smoke, don't they? Oh, absolutely. And and I think already we've seen it uh, a bit on the Twitter box. Um, I know there was, there was uh, a few threads where people were kind of highlighting all of these, all of these kind of... Um, Things that have been said by by candidates, potential candidates, um, and so on and so forth. So uh, certainly the it's the volume of them uh, will become an issue, especially if there are more during the electoral period. Before the electoral period, you know, it's usually us wonks and hacks who are listening and watching this this type of thing. So so really, it's gonna it's gonna come down to a lot of what happens during the electoral period. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and right, not to be missed in any of this, of course, is the fact that Rachel Notley today, um, after the writ was dropped, uh, commented on this controversy, uh, leader of the NDP, uh, and she said that she doesn't believe Jason Kenney's a racist, and to that end, she doesn't believe that the United Conservatives are a racist party. However, she did point out they do seem to have a lot of racists hanging around. And at some point, she said, you have to wonder why that is. So... It's uh, it's the classic case of if you don't define yourself, your opponent is going to do the work for you, or your supporters will do the work for you. I mean, we've we saw we've seen this in the last few elections, especially the more social media has come up, where supporters who are not even not even necessarily uh, racist or xenophobic or or any of that, just you know, like everyday good people have screwed up people's candidates. Uh, you know, have screwed up that message a bit by being simply overzealous. So, so there there is something to be said about about you know an addition to the adage in terms of you know who your supporters are. They can define you just as well as your opponents can, and and it can be just as dangerous. And is that? I mean, we've we've waxed philosophical before about the effect that social media has had on on politics and on political campaigns uh, since it really sort of hit the hit the mainstream. But is is that sort of um, the the price of having an engaged and for that matter uh, honest and forthright electorate? I mean, the the alternative is to have such incredible message discipline within these political parties that nobody can speak, nobody can campaign, and all you have to go with is what the leader says. And I mean that is certainly a uh, uh, one way of going about it. It's it's the Stephen Harper model, um, where just about everybody's speaking points sound like they were written by somebody in the leader's office. But where you run into the difficulty there, and this is why we talked about at the at the top, um, it's important to have some idea of who your local candidates are. It, not to be lost in this is the fact that. Before the Legislative Assembly was dissolved uh, by the writ dropping today, dozens, dozens of members of the Legislative Assembly 
of the province of Alberta were elected to that body as candidates for parties that they were no longer members of. And as members of the team of leaders who were no longer in the legislature or serving in any capacity, right? I mean, you had a, a bunch of candidates who were elected as Wild Rose members. There is no Wild Rose party. You had a bunch of candidates who were elected as progressive conservatives under Jim Prentice. And the progressive conservatives no longer exist as a party, except on paper. Um, so if people went to the polls in May of 2015 saying, I am voting for Jim Prentice or I am voting for Brian Jean, for most of the last four years, their vote has been floating out there in the ether. They gave it to somebody who was then representing somebody else, who was then representing somebody else. They were representing the views of the interim UCP board, or they were representing Rick McIver when Rick McIver was the interim leader of the PCs before the merger uh, or before the, the permanent leadership, and Jason Kenney won that. I mean, they've gone through a lot of iterations. So, Well, hell, hell I mean, Rick Frazier um, went to the Alberta party. Yeah, absolutely. And so right? did uh, like, Karen McPherson. Yeah, so so I mean it 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 dispersed in in you know interesting ways, and and it's the type of thing where you know could could we have foreseen that coming? Um, probably not. Well, it's 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 certainly a chaotic time, and and we joked about the the anniversary of uh, the Redford resignation ushering in an era of peace, but of course the exact opposite has proven to be true. But I guess my larger point there is just that if we are just letting the leaders speak for the parties, then when that leader leaves, what happens to to all of these to all of these MLAs who got elected on that leader's on that leader's charisma on that leader's say so? I mean, I'm already seeing the the uh, Facebook frames being uh, being uploaded onto Facebook where people's profile picture is now bordered on the bottom with a banner proudly stating, I'm voting for Jason Kenney. And that's awesome. That's terrific. I'm great uh, grateful that you're engaged in the process. However, unless you live in Calgary Lougheed, no, you're not. You're not <laughs> voting for Jason Kenney. And if you vote for the United Conservatives because you like Jason Kenney, well, that's something but I've got to tell you a couple things. First of all, if Jason Kenney loses the election or decides to move on and do something else, um, he's taking your vote with him. Like you don't you don't get a redo. And the second thing well, is you I'm think you're voting for the party, but you're really not doing that either. Because if your MLA crosses the floor, joins another party, or the party disintegrates and becomes another party, then they get to take your vote with them too. You're voting for the person whose name is on the ballot in your riding and nobody else, not a party, not a leader. You can delude yourself, but the reality is your vote goes to that individual who can do anything with it that they want. Well, and, and I mean, to some degree, we also have to look at it where you know, that's practically, that's not what people think of. Right. And, and so I think it's really easy to show these examples and it's, you know, and, and certainly you and I, I think, I think we have the same general philosophy when we go to the ballot box that, that we're voting for the person, but a lot of people aren't, a lot of people are still voting for, um, maybe not, even if we don't think of it in terms of party, they're, they're, they're voting for an ideology. 
mm-hmm. right? And and theoretically, the can the local candidate has subscribed to some uh, some derivation of the the party's ideology. It might not be an exact replica. In fact, in in almost every case, it's not. Um, but I think I think to some degree, you know, and and. I, you you mentioned floor crossing that I I think we should save that for another day because I think we could spend an entire episode just talking about the logistics of floor crossing and and why it might be an, not a good idea to have things like recall and that for those cases. Um, but I think going into to you know the ideology standpoint, I mean, Rick Fraser went to the the Alberta party. Uh, Rick McIver uh, went into the UCP. Uh, they were both part of the same party. They they subscribed at some point to some similar ideology. Um, it's not to say that they are diametrically opposed at this point. It's that that you know Rick Fraser probably was a little bit more towards the Alberta Party when when he was a PC, and so so that's where the local candidate piece comes in, right? Because uh, because you 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 have to look at that at the same time. Uh, unless you're part of the nomination meeting, you really don't get to choose who your representative for that party is. So if, if you are subscribing to that particular ideology, um, or even if you're subscribing to the idea that you need to get rid of a particular ideology, um, you might be choosing the candidate not because of the candidate, but because of or whom they represent at, at that exact moment. And you know what? You can't forecast the future. I think I think we have some theories as to what would happen if the UCP lost this election, and what would happen with Jason Kenney. Um, but uh, that that's you know that that's if if that happens, and and that will kind of remain to be seen until election day. Well, I think what you're describing is um, the the motivations that people have when they go to the ballot box. You know, w- what sort of government do I want to have in this province? What what sorts of policies or what sorts of outlooks do I want to have represented in the Legislative Assembly? And that's a perfectly fine and valid way to decide for whom you're going to vote. However, uh, despite your motivations, at the end of the day, you do have to mark an X next to a person's name, a human being's name. And the, way, the reason we know that you don't get a do-over the reason we know that you're not actually voting for the Liberal Party, or, well, we know you're not voting for the Liberal Party because, you know, nobody does. But Oh, that, that's not fair. <laughs> that's not fair. I'm, I'm sorry, Gwyneth. Love you. But the reason we know that you're not voting for the Liberal Party or the United Conservatives or the Alberta Party or the NDP is because if their candidate quits politics the party doesn't get to pick somebody else to just fill that seat. Now, that is the case in the states. In some in some of the states in the U.S., they do the party just picks the next person in line to go and fill that seat for the remainder of the term. In Alberta, though, and in the Westminster system as a whole, which is the, the system that we, we borrow from England in order to, to run our democracy, the voters have to go to the polls and pick another person. Even if, and this is a classic example, if we look at federal politics just for a moment, Jason Kenney was the uh, member of parliament for Calgary Midnapore. It was Calgary Southeast for many, many years. It was redistributed. The borders changed it a little bit. It became Calgary Midnapore. But he won that riding just about every time with 
65, 70, sometimes more percent of the vote. He was an absolute juggernaut. Nobody could touch him. Now, you could look at that and easily say, well, okay, so Jason Kenney steps aside to run for the leadership of the provincial progressive conservatives and then and then do the whole Unite Alberta thing. So there needs to be a new member of parliament for Calgary Midnapore. Very obviously, that riding has supported Jason Kenney, a conservative, since way back in the reform days. So the conservatives should just pick somebody to replace him. But yet, we still had to have an election. And the conservative candidate, Tom Kimmick, won by a huge margin. But we still had to have the election. The conservatives didn't just get to pick his replacement. So you can go into the ballot box with any intention you like, saying, I like Notley, I think I'm better off, or I think Jason Kenney's the man to lead us, or I love Stephen Mandel. Uh, you know, you can go in with any opinion that you want, but at the end of the day, you are not voting for Jason Kenney, even if you think you are, unless you happen to live in the communities in Calgary where his name appears on your ballot. And if he takes off, if he gets sick and quits, God forbid, uh, if anything like that happens, the person you elected to represent you still represents you. And we saw this in a lot of post-election stories in 2015 in Alberta, where Alber Albertans woke up the next day after the election and said, okay, Rachel Notley is, is the new premier. Okay, that's, that's unexpected, but we're not entirely bent out of shape about that. But what do you mean my MLA elect is a full-time student what do you mean my mla elect owned a yoga studio i didn't know any of that about my mla elect well your fellow citizens elected that person you might have elected that person if you put an x next to their name you should know something about that person and i've got to tell you as somebody who's worked on campaigns those local candidates they are dying to talk to you if oh, yeah. you give them a call, they will be happy to tell you about themselves and who they are and why they would like the opportunity to earn your trust and your support. Um, all you have to do is pick up the phone or answer the door when they knock. Oh, they don't go out knocking. We know that. That's true. That's true. They're, they're always on the Twitter uh, responding to random things that don't concern them. As we yeah. talked about once before, yeah. we've we've probably we've probably belabored this point a little bit too much. So why don't we why don't we go to something a little bit more interesting? Um, okay. I'm going to take you back um, right. into the wayback machine. We're going to go into the wayback machine. We're going to go back to uh, September 20th, 2017. <laughs> okay, I'm there. See, we have sound effects. Computer, get that sound effects. Um, so so September of 2017. Um, this was, of course, during uh, a particular race. Um, well, actually, there were two races going on at this time. One was uh, the the civic elections, the municipal elections in the province of Alberta. Mm -hmm. uh, but but there was also the UCP leadership. And and the reason I want to take you back to September twentieth, twenty seventeen, is because I'm looking at your Twitter feed, uh, Joey, and. Um, no, wait, I thought I deleted my Twitter feed. Are, do you mean to tell me once it's on the internet, it's there forever? Um, yeah, so let, let me put it this way. You will not be directing 
uh, Guardians of the Galaxy three. Oh, so um, so so your tweet here is really interesting. It says, uh, and I quote. Another day, another email from the AstroTurf hashtag UCPLDR, UCP leader candidate, attacking only Brian Jean. Gotta wonder how his donors, volunteers feel about it. Now, now this was well within the the election. Nobody had dropped out. Well, I, I, I don't know that nobody had dropped out, but but certainly a certain candidate, the this this who you you say is the AstroTurf candidate, uh, had not dropped out of the the. UCP leader. Do you know who I'm talking about, Joe? I, I'm I'm recalling it well. I believe that morning I had woken up to find my fifth email from the uh, uh, from the Jeff Calloway campaign, and the entirety of the email was talking about how rotten for the party Brian Jean would be as a leader. So, so you had a hunch at this point that that certainly this candidate, um, by attacking Brian Jean and, and really seemingly not attacking Jason Kenney, uh, was really it was really a play. That that was your belief at that po- that point is that, that this was a play um, to work to get Kenny elected. Correct. Well, the way I saw it, it was one of two things. Either it was a, a blatantly obvious ploy. Right. This was a this was a person who was only in the race to attack Brian Jean, or it was literally the worst campaign strategy I had ever seen in my life, because this is a person who was in a four person race for the leadership of this new party, uh, along with Doug Schweitzer and Jason Kenney and Brian Jean, and he was spending all of his time and all of his capital attacking just one person and for that matter the person he was attacking was not the front runner he was spending all of his time and energy and money attacking the second place person according to the polls which is so like the the reverse ninja strategy basically basically yes yeah so so interestingly enough two weeks later you happen to have another tweet that is related to this and uh so this was on october 4th 2017 and you said, for any who missed it, Callaway quit hashtag UCP leader and endorsed Kenny. Equally shocking, experts suggest sun may rise in the east tomorrow. Hashtag AB Ledge. Yes. So we let's let's now let's now come back uh, from our excellent adventure and let's let's talk about what has now happened in the last couple of weeks here in March of twenty nineteen. Okay, so we've got a little bit of a situation on our hands in that the Alberta Elections Commissioner is investigating uh, the source of some of the money that came to fund the Callaway campaign. Uh, party leadership races are now governed uh, and, and uh, managed by the Alberta Elections Commissioner and through Elections Alberta in a way that they weren't before the NDP won the election in 2015. So this is uncharted territory for a lot of people, but the the elections commissioner is investigating where did this money come from, the $60,000 that funded the deposit and the actual campaign of Jeff Calloway. So he was in a position to be able 
to launch these broadside attacks on Brian Jean constantly throughout the campaign. And they're running into a few roadblocks in investigating this to the point where they have levied fines against one of Calloway's um, uh, campaign co-chairs, uh, Jeff Davies, who, or sorry, Cameron Davies, who has now started to cooperate with the elections commissioner uh, and has allegedly painted a pretty interesting picture about what went on behind the scenes. Well, yeah, so so if, if uh, people have a chance, um, Jen Gerson, who is an incredibly talented uh, writer, um, had an article in McLean's um, on uh, yesterday um, and seems to have evidence that um, effectively a, you know, $60,000 was... Um, I don't want to use the word laundered, but that, I mean, that's kind of what, what the description sounds like is that it, it kind of went through and, and, uh, and was used to fund the, the campaign or, or at least, you know, kind of that deposit type thing. Mm -hmm. Um, that's at least what it sounds like from, from the alleged document. Now, the reason why this is a problem, because again, this might sound like it's not that big a deal. Uh, the reason it's a problem is is twofold. First of all, um, the the government of Alberta made it illegal for corporations or unions to donate money to political campaigns. That didn't used to be the case, believe me, but it is definitely the case now. The second reason it's a problem is because it is also illegal to donate money that you got from somebody else for the purposes of funneling it to a candidate. Right. right, which would be a way to sidestep the rules. And if either or both of those things happened, it's a very big problem, and it's a contravention of the rules. Now, why are we talking about this? Because Jeff Calloway's not a candidate for public office. Jeff Calloway's not on anybody's ballot. Why are we belaboring this point from a couple years ago, Kirk? Well, I mean, it's it really speaks to... Uh, the leadership of the UCP as it stands right now, right? Like there's, it, it calls into question um, whether rules were were followed or not. Um, and we're not even talking internal party rules. We're talking about election law. Um, and if it was breached in order to help, um, I don't want to say that it that it would give somebody the election because because obviously Jason Kenney run uh, won with a sizable victory. Mm-hmm. Um, but but certainly uh, looks like it might have been, you know, the, the way it's described, it's it seems like it is one of mi- perhaps many strategies to uh, try to secure that victory, you know, get the insurance on it effectively. So we know that that leadership vote was taken uh, through an online ballot. So that's completely unhackable, perfectly unassailable. <laughs> we know the result was the result. Right. But if you dig a little deeper, the allegation here, and I want to be crystal clear to any lawyer who's listening, the allegation, which is not my allegation, I'm just repeating it, is that Jason Kenney was directly involved in the planning of this, which would have been a violation of election law. That's the allegation. I I, I do need to point out, though, that that Mm -hmm. Jen, Jen in her article, she does say... Um, there is no evidence 
So this is in the evidence that was given to McLean. Not mm -hmm. that there's no evidence at all, but there's no evidence that Jason Kenny or his team played any role in facilita facilitating the payment of Callaway's entry fee, right? So this, you know, when, when we're talking about the allegation, we're talking about kind of, you know, what's being, what's being uh, spoken mm -hmm. um, around yeah. is that... Yeah. And what you can concerned. say and what you can prove are two very different things, right? right? So right now the elections commissioner is trying to follow the money to see if there is a connection uh, anywhere, right? I mean, it doesn't matter to the elections commissioner if it's if it's linked to Jason Kenney or if it's linked to Kirk Schmidt. The elections commissioner just wants to know where that money came from. But the the larger allegation here is around this so-called kamikaze candidate strategy. Now, it is not necessarily illegal, right? No. We're not talking about something that's illegal. You can do this to win the presidency of your local Lions Club, right? But it is at the very least uh, interesting Machiavellian uh, uh, approach to, to winning a leadership. Um, and and Don Braid talks a, a lot about this in a recent article of his too about what this sort of strategy, if Kenny were involved, um, what this sort of says about the way that he would govern and and about the character of a person who feels a need to not just win but dominate, not just beat your opponent but destroy your opponent. And so, now, I I think one thing to bring up, um, kind of while while we're still you know, somewhat on this point is, um, I would ask you this: Have you ever seen a case in in any of the the politics you're doing? And I'm not asking if you've ever done it. But who, have you ever seen a case where somebody has run an additional opponent um, for the purpose of um, splitting votes, or uh, so that the person could endorse the person later and be be a two pronged attack? Yes. And I have as well. So. So I think it's I think it's important to to point this out to listeners. Um, you know, some of you are involved in campaigns. I'm sure you've seen this. Um, but for for anybody who's not been involved with campaigns or might be relatively new to campaigns, um, you know that it's the type of thing where uh, this does happen. Um, I think this is probably the most um, how how do we want to put it? It's it's it, you know. This has one of the the largest impacts. Yeah, it's one of the most egregious and, and obvious sure. examples that would come to mind. Um, it's certainly nobody nobody invented this uh, specifically for the UCP leadership. This had been done many times in the past, uh, both everything from a local nomination uh, level all the way up to uh, federal political parties uh, for their leadership. Right? It's it's been seen time and again, but where it becomes a problem. For the United Conservatives, is is just like uh, when we talked about the issue with Kaylin Ford earlier in the podcast. It's not the action; it's the reaction that is the problem. They call it the ten ninety rule. Life is right. ten percent of what happens and ninety percent of how you react. You know whether or not Jeff Calloway was a stalking horse candidate uh, uh, who was running because they decided that Derek Fildebrand would be a bad Which fit. Which he, de he denies vehemently as well. Of course he point does. Out. Yeah, he, he definitely does for the record. Uh, and, and to this point, this is just a case of people are making verbal allegations. 
people are are saying things in writing, but nothing's been proven, right? This could all be nothing, but it's it's enough of a something that it's being discussed in the media, and that's why we're discussing it here. Um, but the the issue is not that perhaps Calloway filled that role in the UCP leadership. The issue is not even necessarily that Jason Kenney was aware or involved in the planning of that. Jason Kenney is a brilliant politician. As I said, this has been done many times before. He would, quite frankly, not be doing his job if he didn't consider something like this. The question and the problem becomes in the denials that have been issued again and again and again. This didn't happen. I didn't know anything about it. I and my team were not involved in this in any way. Now, that is the denial that is coming from Jason Kenney and has consistently come from Jason Kenney. And it is, again, lawyers, 100% possible that he is telling the truth. I'm not accusing the man of anything. I will say this, though. If it can be proven that he was lying when he made those denials, that becomes a massive political liability for him. To be denying something that seems implausible is one thing. But to be caught in a lie is something else entirely. So I, here's, here's the thing, and, and I'm going to basically pivot our, our discussion a little bit here. Um, so, of course, the article came out yesterday um, that suggested that McLean's has some evidence of, of money being um, moved through bank accounts and through individuals to campaigns. Um, of course, there was, um, there was uh, our candidate who stepped down um, after, after some, some texts were, uh, were produced. Um, I guess, I guess looking at kind of the, the political, uh, information that was coming out in the last 24, 48 hours, I wonder if the NDP was planning on dropping the writ today. Um, like if, if you went back to say Friday, um, in, in terms of the war room for the NDP, I wonder if they were planning to drop the writ today. I mean, there, there certainly was belief that it was going to happen today or if, you know, because you've, you've mentioned before, uh, that, that it might have been advantageous to the NDP to actually wait a bit because of some of the, the seeming self-destruction that's happening within the UCP, mm -hmm. um, and and in fact, I, I think you I think you even said it on the weekend that like you know if if it keeps going the way it is, then it'll be the NDP versus the Alberta Party. Um, I have to wonder, you know, did did the NDP kind of look at what news came out in the last day and went, you know what, let's just do it, let's let's rock a really quick election. I mean, they didn't add any extra days to the election; they have the ability to, uh, right? So it doesn't have to be a twenty-eight day election; it has to be minimum. Um, but it doesn't have to be a 28-day election. It could be it could be a 200-day election, um, and and we could pretty much be the United States at that point. Um, but but I guess the question is, and and this is more speculation, but you know, on Friday was the NDP plan to drop the writ today? 
You know, I think it was, and I think, honestly, it was a strategic mistake. I mean, they've got okay. some some really smart people setting their provincial strategy there, and, and, you know, they've probably won a lot more campaigns than I have. But honestly, as an outsider looking in, um, I don't want to go to the polls based on a flurry of activity on social media and electronic media. If I'm not seeing it on TV and in the papers, it's not real yet. Um, something that's posted on the McLean's blog is is big news to people who read the McLean's blog. But the people right. who read the McLean's blog are a lot smaller number than the people who read the local newspaper, at least when it comes to voters. Right? Um, and and I say that with all the love in the world for Jen. Jen, you're you're amazing, and you'll recall I introduced you to Saddledome Maltz. Um, but uh, you know, if, if Don Braid or Jen writes it and it's it's on my tablet and it's on my phone, that's that's kind of a big deal to me. But if it's in the paper, it's a big deal for my parents. And there's two of them and one of me. So their votes outnumber mine. And I think that the bright move here for the NDP would have been to stretch things out further and, and wait as long as they could. I mean, they, they came forward with a legislative agenda. There were bills that they wanted to pass, and uh, as as recently as last week. So the fact that now all of those bills die on the order paper and we go right into an election means they're not going to get a chance to do those things. They're not going to get a chance to make more speeches. They're not going to get a chance to do more communication on the government dime uh, as opposed to spending party money to make announcements. Uh, and, and now we're in the writ period. The only way I could see where this makes a tremendous amount of sense is if they've got more. If they know the next five things that are going to come out, because there are always five more, if they know what they are because they've got them in brown envelopes in somebody's briefcase, then maybe this makes sense because you time them to, to leak out every few days and then right before the debate, and, and maybe that's how it's going to go. But barring that, I really don't see why it was important to go now, because this was really um, the the date that people have been talking about for over a month. As soon as yeah. the uh, as soon as soon the government announced when the throne speech was going to be, everybody said, well, they'll drop the earth the next day. And sure enough, despite everything that's happened in the meantime, that's exactly what the New Democrats did. Yeah, and I wonder if, if they're what they're more looking at because there's a balancing act always is if they're looking at it from the perspective of okay, they've lost some candidates, um, they don't they haven't really put out any major policy pieces yet. I mean, there there have been tidbits, but but there's been nothing comprehensive yet. Um, and all of these things came out, and I wonder if there was. There was kind of a level of I'm, I'm sure this date was always a possible date but i i kind of wonder if they looked at it and went you know we could catch the ucp flat-footed and maybe have a week where um where stuff is still coming out, out the ucp ucp is still playing on the defensive and it gives the ndp time to to you know release their stuff and then the ucp only has you know two and a half weeks to actually release 
comprehensive policy and explain to people how it's going to be better and things like that. Like, I wonder, I wonder if part of it is just, you know what, let's just throw a quick election in while, while stuff is swirling around, um, rather than give the UCP time to collect themselves, create some talking points and be able to come back strong. I mean, it's possible. I, I, my fervent hope is that campaigns matter. It's always been my dream that campaigns matter. Um, in reality, though, uh, bitter disappointment, election after election, uh, with, with the occasional success, has taught me that more often than not, people aren't as interested in policies as I wish they were. Uh, people right. are interested in headlines. And this has been generating a lot of headlines online, but it hasn't been generating headlines in print. And if it's not in print and it's not on TV, it's not a real thing for the demographic that's most likely to vote. Right. Okay. Well, folks, as we discussed at the top, this is going to be uh, an experiment. We're going to see how the audio comes out on this. Uh, it may be so terrible that you never hear this, but we'll figure that out. In the meantime, uh, we are going to hopefully be able to use this method to keep you abreast of breaking news as it happens in this election campaign so that we can keep moving forward towards April the 16th. Funny fact, April the 17th, Kirk, is Rachel Notley's birthday. Is it? It is. So she's either going to have a, a tremendously happy birthday or she's going to be reading the headlines on her birthday and uh, realizing that she has gone down in history as the first one-term government in Alberta's 114-year history. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Uh, before we sign off, uh, Kirk, any, uh, any words of wisdom? Oh, I didn't even come up with any. Um, yeah, so I would say words of wisdom, and, and this goes to, to candidates out there, um, you know, talking points are important. Um, you know, and, and it's not even, it's not even just in terms of political strategy. Um, when you get to the doors, you want to be able to have the 30 second response to when somebody asks you about, you know, what's your thought on climate change or whatever topic comes at the door. So, so have those prepared in advance. They will help you in debates. They will help you at the doors and in the end you know because you know you are representing your party you are representing yourself um, make sure that you are true to you and and make sure that those talking points reflect who you are absolutely and I'm gonna give a bonus words of wisdom as well um, all right okay put your sign crews in your party colors or wearing a t-shirt with your name on it. Either is good. Get them out on those boulevards, get them putting their signs up, and be crystal clear to them, candidates, campaign managers. If you see an opponent's sign damaged or knocked over, fix it. You're in public, voters see that, voters like that. Voters like classy, and they will reward classy with votes because it reflects well on you as an individual, if your people are going out of their way to help somebody who they have no reason to help other than it's the right thing to do. Well, you know what they say about, um, you know, 
about being a good person is is it's doing the right thing even even when you don't think anybody's watching exactly exactly and that's something that uh, i hope uh, the people in our political realm can can keep in mind now with that said uh, as always we're going to sign off with the one most pressing question kirk online voting a great idea or the greatest idea All right, and that's all the time we have. Until next time, I have been the Enlightened Savage, Joey Oberhoffner. And I'm Kirk Schmidt in space. And we are the Unelectables. We're going to have to work on that. That's what you are Unelectable Unelectable.